Back when I was in seventh grade, many, many years ago, my school had this program called Renaissance Recess, which was designed to get children to increase their skills in the areas of reading and math. And the way it worked was that every day, our lunch period would be split in half, with the first half being allotted for eating, and the second half we would alternate every day between reading books and taking quizzes on those books and doing online math problems. And while the math problems were generally straightforward and devoid of having really too much complicated or tiring work, for me, reading at the time wasn't something I really enjoyed. And honestly, it was something I sort of loathed. I hated being assigned reading especially, having to read books for class assignments, whether it be over the summer or throughout the school year. And I didn't really fancy uh, leisure reading either, because my leisure time was occupied with playing video games and watching PG-13 movies. But there was this one book given to me by a friend that changed my sensibilities and shaped my taste at such an early, impressionable age and truly inspired me and filled me with joy in a way that no other book before that point ever really could. I'm Aon Kingbada, and you're listening to Mind Theater, the show where I analyze art from various mediums, exploring my personal history with them, and revealing what makes them so compelling. Today on the show, I'm going to be taking a look at the YA science fiction mystery novel entitled When You Reach Me by Rebecca Stead, and analyzing the role time travel plays in the central plot of her story and character relationships, and how it differs from the way other works use this common sci-fi plot device. This is When You Reach Me. When You Reach Me takes place in New York City during the late 70s, and in it we follow the protagonist, Miranda, who is this sixth grade latchkey child living with her single mom, and the main plot of the book revolves around these three storylines we sort of weave through. There's the preparation and appearance of Miranda's mom on this game show called The $20,000 Pyramid. There's this falling out with her best friend Sal as he suddenly starts to talk to her less and less. And then there's the appearance of this homeless man on a street corner who is affectionately dubbed the Laughing Man. And as these scenes take place as the central backdrop, the story really starts to get intriguing and mysterious when Miranda starts finding these notes. These notes play an integral role in the story because they instruct Miranda to write a letter to someone about the details of an event that hasn't taken place yet more on the specifics of this event later. But the notes are always on tiny, crumbled paper, the handwriting sort of scribbled and wiry, and the content of the notes is even stranger. But it's the third note that cements in Miranda's head the gravity was being asked of her. The third note has what the writer calls three proofs. These three times or dates that have yet to happen, all with a phrase written next to them. And as these times and dates pass, the prophetic nature of the notes is revealed to Miranda. And she comes to a point of understanding that whoever is writing these notes to her seemingly knows that things are going to happen before they happen. This someone who is almost removed from the concept of time, which at first sort of rubs against Miranda's unshakable nature towards things she doesn't understand. But as Miranda's understanding of time is questioned, she evolves throughout the story. 
There's a scene in an earlier chapter that truly defines how her understanding starts to become shaped. Throughout the story, Miranda's reading this book called A Wrinkle in Time, and in it, the story, and in the story, time travel is utilized by the characters in order to complete a goal, to complete a mission. And in this scene, Miranda is reading this book, and this character, Marcus, strikes up a conversation with her about the book. It's important to note, first, the importance of Marcus as a character. I mentioned Sal earlier, Miranda's friend, and how there's a storyline about his and Miranda's falling out, which is central to the plot. Well, that falling out is caused by Marcus, when he earlier in the story punches Sal in the stomach while he and Miranda are walking home from school. And in Miranda's mind, this is the event from after which Sal and her started to become distant. So all of this is going through Miranda's head as Marcus confronts her about a problem he has with her book. And the reader and Miranda are presented with this paradox in the nature of time travel. As Marcus tries to explain what is what it is the book gets wrong about time travel, Miranda's incapable of really seeing the bigger picture or understanding it, especially the concept that the end can happen before the beginning. You know, these causational loops often shown in time travel in these stories. The idea that someone doing something that leads to an event that has to happen no matter what. And I feel like Stead uses moments like these as sort of grease for the gears that are turning in Miranda's head throughout the story. Her common sense about how things should happen or take place starts to be shaped, and it's really cemented by this line Marcus tells her. It's an Einstein quote that common sense is just a habit of thought, and as Marcus states, sometimes it just gets in the way of the truth. But speaking of things that get in the way of other things, scenes like this are how Stead constructs the concept of time travel within this world. It's not used as a device to move the plot forward. No one actually hops into a time machine in this book. It's more subtle. It's more conceptual. The ideas and understandings that it brings are more important. Seeing how Miranda evolves her understanding of common sense and objective truths are the reasons that uses this popular sci-fi device in the way that she does. But one major thing to note is her implementation of it is fairly simple and straightforward. And this is when we come to the main reason I wanted to talk about When You Reach Me, and it's that I've always felt that the way time travel is utilized as a plot device in many works of sci-fi and other works can be inherently harmful to the story and to the reader's or viewer's understanding, especially when it's overused or overcomplicated. Not to name names, but when time travel is used more to produce twists out of thin air, it could really reach a point of convolution because these twists and these turns at a certain point really can't be questioned by the audience. As time travel is a paradox, these choices and the implementation of it into works has many paradoxical implications. I recently watched the first season of this show called Dark, and while it was enjoyable as it jumped between times over and over again, there was this thrilling sense of misdirection and the realizations that come forth as the story progresses, but I feel like there's something more compelling that can come to the surface when time travel is used as more of a complementary tool, as something that frames the character's understanding in a certain light, rather than the more popular use as a tool for characters to jump around and use in ways that directly affect certain outcomes of the story. There's a tie-in I want to make to this concept of 
veils. In the book, When You Reach Me, it makes his reference to this concept of veils. Miranda's mom tells Miranda that each and every one of us has a veil between ourselves and the rest of the world. Like the veil a bride would wear, and this veil sort of hangs over our faces, making the world sort of blurry. But every once in a while, a moment, an event, causes the wind to blow the veil from our faces, and we see the world for what it truly is. And the climactic scene of the story, as well as its aftermath, are the defining moments where Miranda pieces together what the notes she's been receiving mean, as well as the letter she's been told to write and hand deliver to someone. Remember the laughing man mentioned earlier, the homeless man near where Miranda lives? Well, he plays the most integral role in the entire story. But back to the greater scene that we have to set. Sal sees Marcus while he's on the street, and instinctively he starts running, and Marcus is chasing after him. But in this case, he's not actually trying to beat him up or punch him like he did last time, but he's trying to apologize. Earlier in the story, Miranda had finally confronted Marcus about why he had punched Sal in the first place, and blamed this action for the reason that her relationship with Sal became so shaky. But in this moment, Marcus is chasing Sal, and Sal is running as fast as he can, and he runs into oncoming traffic, and there's a huge truck coming across at the same exact time. But then, all of a sudden, the laughing man appears, kicks Sal out of the way of the truck, and he is killed. The laughing man, sacrificing himself to save Miranda's friend, Sal. And it's in this final moment, this final event that ties everything together in Miranda's head, that she finally realizes that the person who's been leaking the notes, the person who was coming to save her friend's life, the person who seemed to know things before they happened, was the laughing man. And not only does she reach and realize this conclusion that he was a time traveler, the notes had been instructing her to write a letter, detailing these events so that she could hand it to someone in person, someone who would be able to go through life and then come back and do this for her, do this thing for her, save her friend's life. And in this critical moment, Miranda's veil is lifted fully for the first time, and she realized that she knows exactly who the letter's for. Someone who was born without a veil, someone who has consistently been able to see the bigger picture, someone who has challenged and shaped her understanding of time and challenged her perception of what is common sense. She comes to the conclusion that the laughing man is Marcus, this quizzical, smart boy who sees the world differently than everybody else around her. In When You Reach Me, there's this major theme played that new friendships can help preserve old ones. You know, in the aftermath of Sal being saved by the laughing man, it leads to Miranda and him being able to confront the nature of their falling out and sort of regain each other's trust and friendship through what Marcus has done for them. And this novel deals with the intricacies of friendship to a T, and time travel is played as this key element towards friendships and promises transcending time itself. But the most important thing we could take away from how Stead uses time travel is this idea of a complex concept that rubs our understanding of the world the wrong way, that must be confronted and sometimes simply accepted past just the theoretical the veil being lifted from our eyes. And while some learn to lift the veil themselves and others are born without a veil, seeing the big stuff all the time, what's important is that we never get complacent or stuck in our old understanding. We should open our minds to the creative possibilities around us.
Mind Theater is a solo effort produced and written by me, Ayo Akingbade. To subscribe, look for Mind Theater on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For updates on the series and upcoming episodes, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. Hello, Mind Theater listeners. I just wanted to say I had an incredible time writing and making this first season of my first podcast ever. It's been a really, really a big, a big roller coaster of emotions. I'm just extremely proud that I've gotten this opportunity to do something I really love, which happens to be talking about the things I love. And all the support from family and friends and strangers has been incredible. I really appreciate each and every one of you who has reached out and made that known to me. I just wanted to get on the mic and say that this show will be taking a little break for the next few months as I go through, you know, school and stuff. And I'm really excited to announce that season two will be in the works and coming sometime early next year. And my hopes for it is that, you know, just to increase the production level and the quality of everything and the art and all that stuff. And really, as I figure this whole podcasting thing out, so I'm really excited for that. And I can't wait to come back and deliver more content about what I find compelling. So yeah, just basically stay tuned. For any updates, Mind Theater Pod on Twitter or my personal account on Twitter. But until 2020, thank you for listening and I'll catch you next time.